आई वी एम वेलकम टू एब्सोल्युटली राइट आई एम योर होस्ट अदिति सुराना आर गेस्ट टुडे इज जिंग रान वॉन शटसंग वेरी पॉप्युलरली नोन एज जिंग शी इज अ को फाउंडर ऑफ जीरो सलोन इन बॉम्बे and the hair stylist for many celebrities like Aditi Hyderi Rao Samira Reddy amongst others I met Zing a few years ago and I was surprised to meet a beauty professional who publicly encouraged body positivity I thought some of her perspectives were worth listening to on today's episode we will be talking about some pressing issues racism against northeast indians body positivity challenges of self criticism and how zing suffered when she was bullied professionally I believe real authentic inspiring stories have the power to transform us. Today's episode is the story of a young girl from Manipur who carved her path in the competitive beauty and Bollywood industry. So amazing Zing will be joining us on the other side of this short break. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Paytm Money and Intel. Really, really fun week, and I think that you guys should definitely check out some of the stuff we did. So we had Shifa Mehra, who is the host of the show Smile India, on the Paperback Podcast. Really fun thing. On Edges and Sledges, our hosts uh, had an episode just amongst themselves. No guests this time. Really fun show with lots of cool banter. I think you'll enjoy that quite a bit. On Storytellers and Storytellers, Vineet had Shristi Bell on. Shristi is the head of Netflix in India, and I think you'll really enjoy that conversation as well. Also, do check out Uncle Please Sit. Joel and Tushar had Anuya Chatakar on. Anuya hosts the popular YouTube channel Books on Toast. And don't forget others of your old favorites like The Habit Coach, Football Should Ball, All Things Policy. All of them are doing a great job during this pandemic, and you should definitely check them out. And with that, let's get you back to your show. Hi Zing, I'm so excited to have you today on Absolutely Right Show. I have so many questions for you, but before that, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm actually quite excited about the show. I I know you guys have been um, sitting on this podcast thing, and I remember Rashi coming and telling me about like how you guys are going to start a podcast and everything. So to be on the show itself is like. You can imagine. <laughs> I can totally imagine. And just for the listeners, you're gonna hear this name Rashi a lot because she's a common <laughs> friend, very very dear friend to both of us. So you'll hear yeah. Rashi a lot in our conversations. So I thought yeah. let me introduce her anyways. Uh, Rashi is also a producer of uh, Absolutely Right. Uh, she works for as part of my team. So you would have met her or heard about her any which ways. So uh, tell us more. Tell us why have you chosen the. Uh, uncomfortable profession that you have <laughs> so the funny thing is um, a lot of people from the industry know my story but a lot of people outside of the industry don't which is uh, i didn't choose to become a hairdresser i was told that i should be a hairdresser because that's where my talent is and my okay. uh, yeah it's funny because my uncle and my aunt had a conversation about me in 2003 yeah where uh, they saw my potential to be somebody in the beauty industry and at that point i was really annoyed because i was thinking i would pursue either design or okay. um, or my initial thing was to become a surgeon but then i realized i don't like studying so <laughs> so the surgeon <laughs> went out of the window like my dad used to tell me he's like you'll kill someone please don't become a surgeon <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's how i stumbled uh, into the industry and It's actually. So what does that mean? What huh? does that mean that what does that mean that your uncle and aunt just realize that you're good in beauty industry? What does that even mean? It's Were you doing funny. a lot of makeup? Were you like doing other people's makeup? What was it? So apparently, when I was younger, and now I have clear memories of it, I would spend a lot of time grooming people. Like that was my thing. Okay. Like I would love to groom people. I'd be like, I'd see someone doing a facial. You know, like how we had people who would come home and do facials. Right. And I'd see, I'd see my mom and all getting it done. And I'd be like, I also want to do it. Like I learned the technique for just watching it, you know. So these okay. guys, they used to always tease me when I was younger, saying that you'll be either a healer or you'll be a beauty practitioner. And I used to get very offended earlier because I was like, I'm more intelligent than that. <laughs> so imagine, in my case, it was not like my family or the society judging, but it was me being like, me, oh, that, exactly, yeah, like that opposite appeal, yeah, opposite, opposite stigma, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So tell us, uh, what were the important turning points to get into this journey? What was, uh, so when did you decide, like if you're really against the whole idea, when did you decide to turn around and actually uh, become a hairdresser? That's so interesting because um, I decided on two two phases. One was a little childish. I, I, I was 17 when I entered the uh, academy for admissions. And they basically gave me the option of, because I was young, so they were like, you know, if you're not sure and everything, you can always come and hang around in the academy when you have free time and see right. if you like the vibe, see how you teach people so you'll get more comfortable because I didn't speak at all during admission. Like I just looked oh. like I don't want to do this thing, you know, and my uncle's like, she'll make y'all proud. <laughs> so, so uh, when I kept going back for my just dropping in and seeing what's happening in the academy, I one day bumped into one of my future trainers who uh, had purple hair. <laughs> and okay. I, I remember going back home, calling my mom and being like, uh, I want to become a hairdresser because I just realized I can color my hair and do all of this. And my mother was a little concerned about yours. There's a lot of money getting wasted for <laughs> something like that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, Why don't you color your hair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I joined class. A little okay. bit uh, more excited about like I can do this, I can do that, and all. When I joined class and we started like studying in the first week itself, I realized one was I gained a lot of respect for the industry because we study a lot of science. We study a right. lot of science. There's a lot of uh, logic behind every haircut that's done. So that teaching format and just opening your eyes out to like oh you thought it was so easy, but it has so many things behind it, right? Okay. That. On top of that, like when we started doing our practicals, I noticed that where everyone was struggling, I found it like, oh, okay, make it, make this and like, okay, like it just came naturally. And then that's when I was like, maybe they were not right, wrong, you know, like maybe they mm-hmm. saw something. So I started um, working on it. And the more I started working on it, I realized that I actually really, really have fun doing this, man. <laughs> And also, as I, as I know from your story, which I'm already aware of, hmm. that you were naturally good at it. So it's not only in the industry, but I have also heard from other people about some of your amazing achievements that otherwise you don't talk about. So tell us, like, what were the milestones? Um, in, in what sense? Like, what do you want me to talk about the milestones, like professionally? Or you, know, like- became a, you know, professionally, you became a salon director very early on mm. and you kept on like moving from one brand to another yeah people like really welcoming you and yeah. uh, creating your own brand and yeah. that's really amazing so uh, yeah on that note i think one was the fact that the the being being gifted naturally definitely makes a huge difference because i could see even in my first job like there was there was a lot of issues with a lot of people because they were like why is this young girl like getting promoted over us and Thankfully, like I'm friends with all those guys who had an issue with me because I'm like, hey, I'm here just working. The bosses are taking the call, you know. So I did climb up a lot faster than most people did. And I did get to also work with uh, very interesting salons. Now, that was a more conscious decision I made because I realized that I realized something when I joined hairdressing, which is I hated the way education was given to me in my schooling days. You know, like not, not, not paying. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, like the traditional way of thing, given, given the fact that I did have a lot of interesting teachers who influenced me, but uh, Mm -hmm. majority of the teachers had the very, like uh, the typical Indian way of teaching and hairdressing kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, there's a different way of learning, you know, learning can be, and, and hands-on, practical. Exactly. So given taking that, I started joining salons based on the experience I'm going to get and what I'm going to learn. And um, the second place that I worked at, I got lucky to work in a startup salon where they made me a salon director. And I still remember telling my boss that like, I think, I don't think like I'm old enough or I don't think I'm experienced enough. And she's like, no, you're ready. Like, it doesn't matter. And I was 19. And that meant you need, yeah, I was like, that meant you need to run that, that salon along with the other salon directors. You're given a job. It's not just only cutting yeah. hair, but you're also looking into managerial stuff. And so like that, I moved on to different salons where I picked up these different skill sets um, of the functioning of a salon. And eventually when I quit my last workplace is when Dodo, who's also my partner, 
and my partner in crime for everything he ended up <laughs> suggesting he's like um, how long are you going to keep doing this for other people and not see the result that you're trying to achieve you know so we sat down oh. and we planned our salon and
तूने कॉकरोच खाया क्या और समथिंग लाइक दैट एंड आई एम जस्ट लाइक नो लाइक दैट दैट पॉइंट यू डोंट नो व्हाट टू डू अपार्ट फ्रॉम जस्ट ह्यूमरिंग एंड बीइंग लाइक या आई एट अ कॉकरोच एंड आई आल्सो एट अ ह्यूमन बीइंग व्हाट आर यू गोइंग टू डू अबाउट इट नाउ राइट या या सो दैट्स रियली सैड नो लाइक व्हेन व्हेन यू आर द विक्टिम इट्स सो इजी टू टॉक अबाउट द इशू एंड एंड नॉट रियलाइज दैट यू कैन बी द विक्टिमाइजर व्हेन इट व्हेन द सिचुएशन टर्न्स अराउंड या and yeah. that's that's the thing that i am happy that i made a conscious decision to not be part of the whole thing and be like you know what racism happens like <laughs> a lot of my friends are going to kill me for busting this thing but racism happens to us as northeasterns as much as yes. it happens to the people who are not northeasterns by the northeasterns okay they're like what does that mean <laughs> so you're also racist towards us what does that mean <laughs> like like i've gotten into so many debates with my friends where they are just like oh my god this guy just called me a chinky or like you know they just assumed i eat the dog or whatever and i'm like but yeah you just assumed this smell <laughs> similarly you just call them like you also call them like dark skin people or like you know like something like that so i'm like you are no different from them if you ask me they are all the same this country is filled with racist people there's going to be no uh, no solution to it if all of us are just going to be like yeah pointing fingers you know so I'm, like, fingers. I'm like rather just be a mature adult and be like if you can educate educate if you can't just laugh about it you can do nothing <laughs> i think equality is a choice from all angles yeah. like that's so true like yeah. we don't realize yeah. you know i remember this uh, reading one paragraph like essay kind of a thing in marathi many yeah. many years ago where the description was if if a man is on the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and if he looks at someone else who is at the bottom of the mountain uh the ma- the man who is on the top mm-hmm. thinks that oh, very little of the other one who think <laughs> really you know is at the bottom yeah. is really tiny thing but he forgets that for that ma- person who is standing down the person on the top is also as tiny as he is <laughs> yeah we forget this only because we think we have privileges and we have some layers we believe that oh i am better off but that's yeah. not true we yeah. are actually looking at each other from similar space in in a weird sense yeah i think i think also like that's that's been my approach for so many things i'm i'm very grateful for my move to bombay like one is the fact that i moved to bombay because um because i was living in guwahati before that and i was studying mm-hmm. there and everything and uh, when you're in the northeast like guwahati is the best that you can be at like in terms mm-hmm. of commercially job or anything sorry where is home for you um where is home for me it's funny because i grew up in in guwahati i but okay. my parents uh, have their home in manipur and impal and that's my vacation home okay. so i used to go like me and my brother and my sister we we would go back home on our vacations and it's strange even though you spend like maybe say four months of the year or less mm-hmm. than that back home i still call mom and dad's home like home instead of the house that i grew up in i call that a house like my grandma's house right. you know? I don't know what is it like. Probably like emotional <laughs> attachment, you can say. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Home for me would be that, but uh, yeah, like uh, that's what I was saying. Like when I when I moved here, I realized that um, moving from Guwahati when I moved to Bombay because my uh, my one of my aunt was like, you you want to go and see the world, you want to be like more exposed. Come here, you know, like try this out. And when i moved here and as i started working i saw all the issues and everything that everyone had warned me from the beginning of my life mm. the only thing that i thought was that i was like you know everyone's tried the similar formula like somebody is being racist like you give it back to them somebody right. is uh, not being tolerant like you you teach them a lesson or whatever it is like that generally works mm. and i'm like it's giving no solution everyone's still unhappy and for me right. happiness is such a big thing that i'm just like you know what i'm just going to kill this with happiness i'll be like if you if you look at me and you give me a dirty look <laughs> i'll probably yeah. smile back at you like my biggest smile and then it just makes that person awkward and i'm like why are you awkward i'm just like being like it's okay i'm going to smile at you either ways <laughs> and i think that's what makes you amazing as rashi calls it Like she always says that zing is amazing. I I totally agree. So on this note, we're going to take a short break, and on the other side, I'm going to ask you the important question uh, about your handwriting. What all you want to know based on your writing? On the yes. other side of this short break. Yes. Stay tuned. Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli, Don Bradman. 
and now Cyrus Brocha. Okay, probably not in the right company. I mean, Don Bradman is Australian, but it's called Cyrus Says. A wonderful show about everything. Find the show on the IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Zing. Now we talk about the important question of absolutely right show format, which is me analyzing your handwriting. So, yeah. what questions do you have for me? <laughs> I'm so nervous to ask you anything. <laughs> I what, what what tell me like what did you gauge like what's what's the whole I've been um, to be honest like I get very inquisitive about handwriting and stuff because like I told you earlier about the whole surgery thing I looked into even yes. like you know like I know that like forensic people do all of that and everything I'm like <gasps> yeah you said give a handwriting sample I was like oh, I want to know what you will come to know from my handwriting <laughs> what do you what do you get like. Okay, so many things that I can talk about, and uh, as you rightly said, forensic people can figure out the criminal instincts. Yeah, which luckily I don't find in your handwriting. <laughs> Yay! Uh, this this is very good news for Jolo uh, <laughs> since he's. I know. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm not going to kill him. <laughs> now he knows that you may only threaten but not kill him, literally. <laughs> So let's look at the the aspect of. So I'm going to take some time talking about uh, some areas where I feel why this career really worked for you, hmm. and I'm going to analyze that bit, uh, you know, uh, technically from graphological perspective. Okay. Now the first thing uh, that stands out is your belief in yourself. Now every time you do something, whether you know the technique of going about it, doing it, how you know the know hows of that. skill set hmm. you would first ask yourself that okay i think if i'm doing it i'll be able to figure it out where is the way where is the where is the solution hmm. i have no clue about it right now but you keep thinking about it where is the solution what is an outcome hmm. now that has made you really hands on with so many skills that you have no clue about <laughs> so you get into a problem but you your first instinct is not necessarily to panic or not necessarily to get into overthinking you try to get into how can i fix it how can i solve it who can i speak with mm-hmm. so you first try to get all your resources going and that i feel is very very important if anybody is listening in right now thinking about their own self esteem this one area where you hold on to your long term idea of yourself and your you know persona not as people look at you not as uh, the way judgments come your way mm-hmm. but the things that you can do not things you have done but things you can do all of us have that inner voice that inner belief about our abilities yeah. but then we constantly buy into other people's ideas and we dismiss that we we actually fracture that idea of ourselves mm. and now that is it does not remain as strong as it was in your case or whatever mechanism you are using you do not allow other people to fracture your self esteem I feel that's really, really amazing. That's amazing. My, I actually, it's funny because my therapist would be very happy because she told me the same thing. She's like, you have, you for some strange reason have managed to just like keep who you are protected. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> takes a lot of effort to be honest. But I, I, I can't does. believe it's showing in like handwriting. <laughs> so that's the part where I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> so the second aspect of it is. uh i would not say necessarily a strength but also a slight uh mind block or or sense where you feel slightly uncomfortable mm-hmm. is your sensitivity to physical appearance criticism towards physical appearance mm-hmm. so any time you see people are talking about physical appearance you are very very uh, observant you're very sensitive about it not only yours you are generally ob- absorbing it if it comes through your personal feedback you may take it or may not take it but when it comes to your work you love the the fact that people dress up in certain way people uh, have that sense of beauty or aesthetic when it comes to physical appearance mm. now anybody who pays attention to that you are connected you are in awe you keep observing you keep doing that detailing knowing your unknowingly and this is not today mm-hmm. this, is, this is a part of your personality so i'm so happy that your career supports the whole idea that you're doing now if this would have been your instinct and if you wouldn't have worked in this field yeah. then you would have been 
say a surgeon and would have looked at other people's uh, aprons or or their uniforms and then would have made you know figured out some mistakes or some detailing that so it would have like driven you and other people crazy but the fact that what is your so called weakness becomes your profession yeah. uh, it's so nice because now doing that is not uh, a challenge doing that is a strength yeah that is exactly that detailed observation and also in a way mental analysis you can also be critical you know in your mind you might not say it out loud but in your mind you're constantly analyzing and criticizing <laughs> the the sense of fashion not the person but you're yeah. like oh this can this does not go with it you should have tried that color you keep keep doing this and now you get to do that professionally so i'm very happy for you <laughs> you get to do that professionally the third aspect that i felt uh, goes very well with your words is your ability to execute even if you don't have great strategy in mind you are very very committed to execute whatever you know yep right I, so I, you are I like am. a bulldozer when it comes to execute yeah i i everyone can tell you i mean like rashi will tell you i have no time for anyone because i'm such a workaholic and everyone's like what are you doing and i'm like i feel like i'm always finding something to do <laughs> I I would not say workaholic you're not somebody who gets obsessed with it hmm. I feel you there's like a personal research going on in yeah. what you do yeah. and you're so intensely involved with it I totally understand it because if you leave me alone for for months together I would never run out of things to do because <laughs> yeah. I have so many things to do all the time yeah. but and because I'm so curious about my work so when you finish reading something hmm. you finish implementing a new model so you yeah. always have something or other to work on So I get it. So it's not workaholic in your case. You're not using work as your excuse not to meet mm-hmm. friends, but you're genuinely interested and to execute whatever you think is an idea. You want to get to execution. Yeah, these are three things I think work for your advantage when it comes to this profession. Huh. Over to you. Your question. I uh, like. Please tell me if there are some uh, uh, negative points also because see, as you said, the critical part, right? Like there is a. I think the critical part happens a lot to me directly than to other people. I'm very critical mm. about like certain things because like like you noticed in my uh, handwriting analysis, you know, I try as much as possible to preserve the person I am. and when i see yeah. these like little alarms where i feel like i passed a comment for example you know or something yeah. like that i'm just like hey one second that's not me normally like why am i why, why am i doing that you know why am i being judgy or why am i being so and so so i'm always like asking people like give me the negative feedback also because i sometimes i feel like when you're so stuck in your head right you kind of sometimes also zone out when people are talking to you and yeah. this this is a brilliant time for me to learn if there's something that i need to unlearn or i don't know like do you see something where you're like maybe saying you need to work on this <laughs> i i feel thank you for asking that question directly because i would have got to that point anyway <laughs> so so the point is um you are fundamentally a loner you function as as one person uh, doing everything yeah. now working in a team is a choice it's not the most natural choice but it's a conscious choice yeah so you require your own mechanism to lead a team or you you do get like overwhelmed by the whole idea of people around you because you're fundamental in your head you're a loner yeah if you you can do so many things alone that people would be surprised about they're like yeah. oh you can because you're surrounded by people all the time yeah. so they think you're a social being and you do all of this which is not exactly true about that is that is so, so on you, point <laughs> <laughs> so when you are talking about preserving yourself i think uh, at this point in time you're not considering the fact of preserving the loner mm. because it's important that's your recharge mechanism is yeah. not loner as lonely yeah. is loner as someone who loves to be alone yeah so you have to take out time to make sure that you you nurture the the person who loves to be alone yeah it's important it's funny because you know i always tell myself um, when when anyone's like why oh, is such a loner you know because it's used in a negative term and in my head instantly i'm like but i'm a lone wolf <laughs> i've always been a lone wolf i'm like i've always ran free on my own you know i was like so i'm comfortable this way and what you said about like because i'm such a social profession and i'm in bombay where you are around a million people i think on a daily basis 
I find that happening like every hour, hour and a half. But I switch. Also, you live, you uh, live, you work, you uh, travel with your partner yes, often. So yes. it's literally like yeah. having one person around you all the time. Yeah, yeah, so how yeah. is that going? It's it's interesting because he is uh, somebody who understands, and that's the reason why I'm with him, right? Because he understands me more than anyone I can imagine. You know. Like he, he knows for a fact, like during the quarantine, we've been joking about how he keeps telling me, he's like, you know how you go and you do this thing when you come in the salon, you do back to back appointments. And at some point you come and you tell the team, don't disturb me for five minutes, just five minutes. Right. Nobody come around me. I'm going to go at the back. <laughs> he's like, you've been doing this in the quarantine also where I come and I tell him things like, uh, so now I'm going to start my stuff. If you need anything. You come and you tell me, but I'm not hanging with you. And he's like, yeah, because I know, I know that's you're bound to do that. So, yeah. so that way I'm lucky. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. He gives that's me so my nice. space so at nice. least. <laughs> the second point that I have in mind when I look at mm. uh, your writing area to, to work upon or change mm. is sometimes you become self-critical beyond requirement. You really step into that space and you start, you know, that critical dialogue yeah. takes over. Yeah. And when that happens, you're not available to learn from yeah. the situation, which is otherwise your most favorite thing to do. Yeah. So especially in last five years, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, from the time you feel you have to control the situation, you have to guide other people, you have to tell people what they must be doing. Yeah. And then you get into that role of, oh, someone who is directing yeah you're you're missing on the part of being the student that you were yeah so i saw that you're not learning mm. but when you get into the zone of being very critical of yourself yeah. you just become more controlling of everything that is in control of you mm-hmm. yeah. does that make sense like yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. we don't feel in control yeah. and then we just hold on to every we just cling or clutch things mm. instead of just lightly holding them yeah. so when when new drivers are on the road and you can see that they're like clutching to the the steering wheel they're not like holding it and they don't believe that if they just like lightly hold it they can still control it mm-hmm. because right they're not comfortable yeah. so when you become self-critical and when you become less comfortable in your own shoes you start clutching the external things yeah if you're aware of it, it's amazing. Uh, so tell me if you have any questions. I am. I am. In fact, it's uh, it's something that I am always um, debating with all the time. Because the thing is, I this this comes from the fact that I grew up in my grandma's house where she's, she's a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use the term because I call her that lovingly, okay? As I was growing up, I everyone who knew me knew that I called her Hitler. Because... That's what, how she was. Lovingly. <laughs> then when I was younger, it was like, oh my God, Hitler. And now it's just like, oh, Hitler. Like, <laughs> it's so, so I've never heard oh, Hitler ever say. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, oh, welcome, welcome to what happens inside my head. <laughs> it's very, it's like a kitty of But um. It, like something that I think I have not been able to um, get off completely is that where like because you grew up in a very disciplined life, like, you know, you had a regime, you they wanted us to be good children and everything. Now, even though I do whatever I feel like doing, there are times like, you know, like there would be something as small as like, say, um, someone in the team professionally, if I have to talk, someone in the team comes and tells me like, hey, saying I know normally. You don't say these things, but the other day when you told me this, I felt hurt because of the way you told me, blah, blah. That night, <laughs> if I don't go back and calm myself down and be like, it's okay, you're human, you make these mistakes, the critical mm-hmm. side comes out, you know, and that is not a nice thing because that's when I go into that zone of like, oh my God, I should have not done that. I'm a horrible person. How can I, how could I have spoken to someone like that, blah, 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 and everything. And I'm like, did nothing right so like rather just change your course of action instead of like repenting after you do it and it's it's a it's it's work in progress right now and that's one of the main uh topic that we discussed when i sit down uh for my uh therapy also i've been doing getting a lot of help with regards to that which is mostly like it started off with like self-esteem and then we yeah. identified that your biggest judge is using <laughs> 
focus. So yeah, now working on that. And it's, I guess it's like uh, for anyone who has been through therapy, if honestly they have to speak, it'll be like you have your good days. There are a lot of good days. You see a lot of productive st- stuff coming out because of uh, the help tip. The same trait, yeah. yeah. But then you have those days when you have like your critical side comes out and now I'm learning to cope with that. Like I'm just being like, just shut up. <laughs> like it's no, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually bring a different angle to it, okay? Huh. Because we speak a lot. So as a high performance coach, I speak a lot about this need of constantly improving, going mm. to the next level. Mm. Now, when you are doing that, it sounds uh, that that need to excel mm. sounds like perfectionism or self criticism, yes. but it is not. There's a difference between the two. Yep. So when you slip into self-criticism, the need to be right is more yeah. prevalent. Yeah. Whereas when you are operating from need to grow, mm. the need to, to figure it out and move forward yeah. is more prevalent. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the action. The action may remain the same. Mm. But the motive behind the action yeah. is, I got to figure it out because it's exciting mm. versus how could I not figure it out? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm such a horrible person. Mm. So these are two different extremes and I'm a big believer and I, I would definitely like you to think about it and ponder on this thought that many a times we are judged or analyzed on what we do. Mm. We are not analyzed on how we feel when we do that yes. thing. And exactly. I'm a big believer that the motive behind the action is way more yes. important than the 100%. action itself. So, you know, you may serve food, mm-hmm. but if you're doing it with lots of anger yeah. and you're just like throwing food, yeah. it's not fun. Right, Whereas yeah. the same thing done lovingly mm. becomes a great experience. Yeah. So it's not about what you do. It's about how you feel when you do it. Yeah. So observing the triggers mm-hmm. would be a great idea. Yeah, I've been doing that. In fact, it's funny because what I realized exactly like what you said, right? I had this image in my head about perfection, right? Of being mm. a perfectly good human being. And what I have now started doing in terms of like when I talk to myself and I get into the self-critical mode is where I keep telling myself, I'm like, that's your image that you've made in your head about this is what Mm. a perfect human being is. Deep down inside, you know what your intentions are. You don't mean to harm anyone. So why are you harming yourself to start off with, you know? And and it's it's interesting because it's making now... Now, in fact, like you said, uh, it blocks you, right? When you get into self-critical. And when I was much younger, I used to do this thing where I would write when when I get right. in that zone because I'm like, you know what? Just get it out. Like, just write it out. And I've started doing that again. And it's funny how when you just free flow write and your brain is like, I mean, your hand and your brain is just doing their thing. You get the solution right there. <laughs> you know I, I can't agree more with my secret agenda to get people to use handwriting a lot more so I can't agree with you more on this point however we started this process called uh, journal right now it's a 21 day process where you ask yourself different questions every day you do graphotherapy which is it's one S stroke flow of thoughts we call it and that stroke allows you to calm down and get to this point where when you start writing, uh-huh. it starts giving you solution. Because yeah. as you said, I believe all the solutions to these kind of problems are fundamentally with us. Yeah. You know, as a coach, I may nudge you a bit. Uh-huh. I may bring in different mirrors or different ways for you to look at yourself. Uh-huh. But finally, you are the, the driver of this car and yeah. you have to kind of take control and and make a decision to shift. Yeah. So when you do the journaling, uh, when you actually use this process to to get your thoughts out in a certain manner, yeah. and also we involve breath in it. So when you use breath along with it, it just changes the way you look at it. So I'm so happy that you are getting back to writing. And <laughs> like, please, uh, those who are listening, you can find the details of this 21-day uh, workshop, which is specifically for anti-anxiety on the website, which is aditisurana.com. So please go ahead. And uh, if you are still considering this self-analytical behavior, getting way too much uh, into your work, that would come really handy. The process is designed for that kind of insight. You know, Aditi, you? It's, it's amazing. I must add right now, when you said the 21 day thing, I was like, oh, I'm like dying to jump in and talk because the first <laughs> assignment I got like during the quarantine in my therapy session was to do a 21 day writing session. <laughs> and, and I can't tell you the first three days, it was just me 
fighting with my written voice <laughs> okay because i would write stuff, i would write stuff and i'm like i i don't like what i'm writing and everything and by day 4 day 5 day 6 as it went on and on and i'm just like hello hi welcome back again you know, like, suddenly everything makes sense and you're just calm oh, nice. you're just calmer things make sense you you're not jumping into things and i'm like who would have known <laughs> 21 days That's of just so writing <laughs> So yeah, and, was, <laughs> and literally, who would have thought that I? You already knew the solution. It's not that you learned a new skill yeah. how to write. You just literally knew the solution. Only thing you did, like you know, this is what happens. Yeah. Like we are so powerful as people, yeah. and we are so amazing as people. We yeah. already have these abilities, and we already have these superpowers. Yeah. We just don't know how to use them. Yeah, I, I so thank you so much I, for sharing. I, yeah, I always feel like. Um, Uh, I tell my clients also the same thing, right? As a hairdresser, where I'm like, the only person who's stopping you is you. Like the rules are made by you. I can only take you to your idea, True. but like doing, True. making the idea come alive is you. And for some reason, over the years, society has put like some certain kind of like terms and like you know like norms that we are supposed to follow. And now we live in an age where we know those were all controlling methods. for just like a whole oh mentality God. thing finally fair yeah. and lovely is back i do is so I, happy exactly. about it yeah exactly. <laughs> i'm going to share that on the thing like stuff like that and i'm like we know but why are we not like why are we changing it then <laughs> if you know thank god thank god <laughs> yes of course you know i have seen your content i have seen your posts hmm. where uh in spite of being in the beauty industry yeah. you kind of keep debunking the beauty norms <laughs> let's talk about that I feel so happy about it. I just can't can't thank you enough because it's coming this uh, from a person who otherwise you know promotes beauty, yeah. talking about no body shaming, accepting yeah. yourself for what you are, coloring your face black only because you can. <laughs> yeah. So please go ahead, tell us more about that. Uh, I think it came a lot from the fact that um, one, so I wanted like this is all on my social media, and I wanted my social media to be as uh, transparent and honest. as possible and as i went through different phases in my life i realized that i'm like i don't what i don't like like i said with the job thing also right like if i don't like something that's being done to me i shall not be doing it to somebody else so while i was growing up there was a lot of notions about beauty and like again going back to the handwriting analysis like you said you know i'm very sensitive about like appearance not because of right. not because of anything else but i feel like appearance is given too much of too much of worth and too much of um a weightage in the society where i'm just like you're not just only your physical form that's going to go away sometime right mm-hmm. and what about mm-hmm. developing a personality what about developing your brains and in the beauty industry what i find really frustrating is that we all know this but we participate and then you know like one fine day when you stop and you quit the profession or you fall uh, ill because of some serious chemical intakes uh being in the salon right. environment and everything is when you decide to voice and i'm like no what if you can be in the industry and tell people that you don't have to get botox done you don't have to go and color your grays you know you don't have to do any of that because that doesn't define you if if your idea is to look presentable let it be that and not changing into like a like a priyanka chopra you know like no, like realistic. anyone else anyone else yeah. or like you know yeah. trying to be the acceptable mm-hmm. idea of beauty is what we are talking about yes i'm like have realistic goals because uh if i as a beauty person does not speak and tell people that hey there are people like us who believe in you should be as you are and we just want to enhance you i think a lot of mm-hmm. people get a lot of wrong ideas these days about like we need to look a certain way to look beautiful or we need to look yeah, a certain we, way we to are get constantly it. fed those ideas yes. also zing yes everywhere yes. we go we are constantly fed those ideas yes. and and people who uh follow those norms yeah. are much more in number than those who do not yeah. and thereby those who do not feel left out mm-hmm. or really misfit in the overall social structure yeah. that we belong to yeah so I, i i hear you and you know what i realized was i am tougher because i have my i have a very strong uh um my my a sense of uh, who i am and what i am as a person was installed by my mom and my dad and i'm so glad mm. that they were so so this thing about like personality 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 you know they're like your looks will mm. fade 
like let it be it'll come it'll go whatever it is they're like the personality and i realized that i fought so much to to retain and to keep who i am being in the beauty industry like you know like how people would be like you need to look a certain way and everything and i'm like no i refuse to put full face makeup and come to work every day cuz you're not paying for my pimple ka uh, whatever street cover and everything yeah exactly i think like, my hair is getting burnt because i'm putting like some rubbish into my hair and you're saying sell it to a client i'm not going to do that to somebody else so when i know as somebody who's in the industry as the face of the industry i have so much of pressures on me right it's not fair for somebody else who's not from the industry and they have so many other things to do why should that be your priority the priority for us is actually to make you feel better about who you are and not to make you feel like you're lesser than what you are you know so true so true <laughs> that has been my my mission that has been my overall uh purpose the, for the work that i do i believe that everybody must mm. uh, be the best possible version of themselves and it comes from inside yeah. and it's so nice to meet you where you're doing it from outside with the belief that you have to accept yourself yeah. just like so nice to meet people who resonate that whole idea and 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 i again i agree with you that it's so easy to fall into the trap and sell people what uh, fear based ideas mm-hmm. can give you and as a business owner yeah. i have made so many choices where i'm like no this is completely inflicting yeah. fear and i'm not going to do yeah. this i'm not going to sell people fear yeah. even if it takes time for yeah. work to grow i will go through the process but no, no quick fixes here you don't want to sell ideas that you don't yeah. you won't buy yeah. yourself yeah. so thank you thank you for doing that especially in the industry that you belong Thanks. to and thank you in fact i'm so happy like whenever if we are such a small number of people who think like this right that i feel so happy when i connect with other people who think the same because i'm like oh, not alone <laughs> more of us more of us <laughs> more more lonely wolves out yeah. there sorry alone wolves there yeah, yeah. so uh, i have last question for you here huh. now you know we spoke about certain pressing issues that you experienced mm-hmm. and i want to know uh, as a as a woman as an entrepreneur as a professional mm-hmm. what was that issue for you and what did you do like I, this is also for people to understand that uh, sometimes you can go through therapy sometimes you can go through uh, you know different kind of medication if required but there are so many options that are available in our hands to begin with yeah. so would you share one of the pressing experiences which was really tough for you to deal with and what exactly did you do to come out of it or deal with that situation uh so i had i had a uh, two two pressing issues you know uh, with regards to with regards to like coming out and exploring this side of me <clears throat> the first thing on a more personal level when i lost my dad when i was 19 and he and oh. he was he was probably like the closest person to me in my life because he knew everything and like he he was like my and you were already in bombay yeah i was already in bombay i was already in bombay okay. and um i got to know about like some two years back or something the idea of me moving to bombay was him like um, he just thought that oh, like sweet. yeah he just thought that i would do better outside of the northeast you know i don't fit in so he could recognize all of that and when i lost him i think i felt very um, lost suddenly because i realized that i'm like oh shit i'm an adult now you know i have to be yeah. more responsible for my action because before that what you what would happen is i'd go to him for everything like he would like you know my problem solver and everything and you'd be like life is good and everything now it's like no one to give you that advice saying so you have to do it yourself so that was one from a personal front and uh, got my whole thinking and questioning and everything started but the the main breaking point for me was uh in a slightly more even like it's not death but it's like almost like a tragic side of i i i for the first time in my life in bombay felt like i had no one which was my last workplace um i worked with a salon with somebody who was one of my closest friends since i moved to bombay and Mm-hmm. she knew everything about me i knew everything about her and we had like this whole no judging and blah 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 all of that and i obviously was more than happy to join her team right like when she wanted to start the salon and the idea was to right. run the thing together given that she's the boss and i just run the show for her which um, right. things were going fine and everything and slowly slowly i before i could notice other people started noticing that 
I am being taken advantage of because I am the person I am. And I'm also like, I don't speak about it too much, but now I've started like uh, uh, speaking about this side of me. I'm a very, uh, I'm a very giving person. If I, if I like you mm. and if I believe in you, I give you my hundred percent. Otherwise I'm just like, I'd rather not be part of this project, you know? So what yes. I started noticing very slowly was how I was being taken advantage of in terms of, um, a lot of work stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I was doing that on top of that. I was dealing with uh, the other shit of like the other people and everything. And I'm like, I, this is not my job. And uh, a lot of things happened basically, like something that we were not expecting. And what I realized was because she knew me so well, uh, hmm. I eventually have come to terms with the fact that she completely manipulated the whole situation, uh, like knowing who I am as a hmm. person. And so when I had my breaking point one day where I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, you know? So I, I mm-hmm. sat down with her and I gave my resignation. We had like a huge, uh, we had a huge emotional moment of like confronting and saying stuff and things that should have been said in the beginning and everything. And when I quit, I felt like a sudden feeling of calm, of being like, I, I finally fought for myself. Like, you know, I, I never did. I always let me forgive people because I'm like, come on, they don't know. Like, you know, you understand for them. And this time around, I was just like, no, I'm not going to take, like, I'm not going to take beatings quietly. I'm not going to be quiet when somebody's doing something wrong to me because then I'm just allowing that person to go ahead and do more. And so I felt calm about that. Post that, um, when I wanted to take a break from everything, from hairdressing, just people like that I knew in Bombay, I, mm. I went off for a, a short break to Humpy. And mm. uh, while I was there, I got to know that the whole, the whole scenario to the people in Bombay has been turned around where I have been put on, a, uh, put on the whole thing as the mentally unstable person who, uh, who basically like shook the salon and left and when, okay. when I when I heard that is when I was like I felt two things one I felt very hurt because uh, I realized that someone I took so closely decided to use everything that I was close to that person to use and what you shared yeah. with them yeah. Yeah. yeah and the other thing that I realized was I was like one day when I am stable and when I can control my emotions and I can talk about these things, I am going to bring the whole idea of why mental harassment and mental issues are like such serious things that we take for granted. You know, like bullying is not okay. It is not okay to talk to someone in a certain way because you think they come from a certain background. Like that is just not okay. And so it's it's like a good and bad breaking point the second one because it just made me stronger as a person I became more determined mm-hmm. about like I'm like I have to get this thing done I have to make sure that like that that's one thing that I want to address for the rest of my life till I see it getting normalized because I mean if I keep quiet which I did for so many years mm-hmm. I, I allowed the bullies mm-hmm. to be the bullies right so I'm like now now let me see like if I can do this on my term so yeah, so that established my whole journey towards like mental health and awareness. <laughs> and and what were your tools? What exactly did you do to do the turnaround of the situation? Uh, multiple things. I had the first tool for me was um, the same year when I quit that workplace. We in like maybe say about six eight months year uh, months later, uh, Dodo mm-hmm. and I established uh, Zido. And the thing that helped me the most with the salon was the fact that happiness was the key thing for us. Okay. Like clients being happy, us being happy, staff being happy, money will come. Don't think about the money. Mm. And the minute we put that into action, the vibe of the place changed. And the minute the vibe changed, you know, Aditi, I mean, you would understand because you are somebody who, who's into all of this. So you'll understand this. Like, I think the space, that you are in the vibe and like the whole energy in that place makes a huge role in your mental state on a daily basis. As I started working more and more in a more positive environment, I realized that, Oh my God, so many things that I wanted to achieve, I can achieve it. You know, it's not unachievable. 
Plus, I can still make my money and I can still do everything. I don't have to worry about anything. Everything's organic. Just, just go and do what makes you happy. So I started doing that. And in the course of doing all of that, I realized as I was talking to clients and unlike what I was doing in other salons where I was like, okay, come, let's do the straight thing and everything. When I started telling people things like, embrace your grace, you know, it's okay to have wrinkles. It's okay to have stretch marks. And if, if like, say, for example, a lot of girls would come in, they're like, you wouldn't understand because you're skinny and like, you know, you are lucky and everything. I'd show them something that I'm uncomfortable about. When I started right. doing that, is when I realized that I was like, wait, I'm helping so many people, but I'm not helping myself, <laughs> right? I have to start with myself. And that's when therapy started. And uh, with therapy, I also understood that I need to take time out, outside of just like, sometimes because you're so passionate about your work, that can consume you, you know? So take time out, travel, meet new people, go out. Like, I love dancing. So like go out and just dance. Like a lot of people ask me, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm out, I'm going out dancing. Like, you know, like just do stuff that makes you happy. And and it's like each day as it comes, you analyze the day at the end of the uh, night before you sleep, you analyze the day, something you didn't like, go ahead and change it the next time or like try to do something different. And that's yeah. so nice. That's so simple and that's so, so powerful at the same time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, it was it was a roller coaster for you yep. to come all the way to Bombay and make this new place your home <laughs> and figure out all the all the challenges that this profession can render. Yeah. Like I think this profession is not the easiest one yeah. with the kind of competition you have, oh. the kind of demand, the kind of specification, and still holding a space. And to me, when I look at you and the fact that you know, how you have constantly embraced yourself and constantly uh, connected to the message that because I have seen you only in that phase, I don't know the older Zing. Yeah. So I've only seen Zing talking about how it's okay not to pay too much attention to things and how it is okay to not obsess about your hair and your hairdresser saying it is it's kind of interesting. <laughs> and, oh, wow. I didn't believe that hairdressers also speak this language. So that was really cool for me. So thank you so much You're for being on the show. Thank you so much for spreading the message that you do. Please keep doing this. This thank is really, really good. Thank you. And thank and you. seriously, like, I mean, normally when I talk about my struggles, a lot of people are like, oh my God, so what are you still doing in Bombay? It must be so difficult. And I'm like, you know what? It's because, I mean, it's it's, you can talk about the good things and it'll never end, right? So you rather just like zone down to like the negative stuff and like, I, I'd like to change this. There, the roller coaster actually has been so good, Aditi. I can't tell you. <laughs> it's like I don't have an option but to evolve. <laughs> you know? True, true, true. And you know, I was reading something yesterday, and this lady says that when other person is being really horrible, mm. they're giving you a, a possibility, a new space yeah. where you have to step up. Mm. And that is a gift. We don't realize that their behavior is a gift for you to step up. Yes. We believe that they're trying to push you down, which yes. is, you know, which is one, only one of the perspectives. The very moment you realize this is happening because this is my, my time to step up and move to the next level of my game. Your language changes. Your yeah. overall way of functioning changes. That's yeah. just so amazing. <laughs> Lovely to have you. Thank you. Thank Yay. you so much. Anandana. I'm going to quote Rashi. It was so cool. I mean, you're amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I had actually a lot of fun chatting, man. Like we could go on doing this for days. (laughs) (laughs) Intense emotional pressure, professional bullying and constant self-criticism. All these things can trigger emotional imbalance and can lead to depression. The World Health Organization declared in 2017 that 264 million adults around the globe suffer from depression. We cannot ignore or even deny the need to talk about this topic. Let's discuss the symptoms, the challenges, and more importantly, the ways to battle depression on our Friday episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of Absolutely Right. I'm keen to know what were your takeaways from this conversation with Zing. Have you dealt with bullies in your life? What exactly did you do? What action will you be taking today to improve something in your life that you learned from this episode? Do share your experience and send your questions to me on my Instagram handle at Aditi Surana. If you like this podcast, then don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on IBM Network. 
You can listen to us on IVM Podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let's connect on Friday. Till then, happy writing. Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc., etc. It's all content, and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content, and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. रिश्ते में तो हम तुम्हारे पॉडकास्ट लगते हैं नाम है फुटबॉल शुटबॉल प्रेजेंटिंग फुटबॉल शुटबॉल शो अबाउट थ्री फ्रेंड्स डिस्कसिंग आर फेवरेट गेम ओवर समटाइम्स थ्री मे बी इवन फाइव हाई एम शिवा एंड विद मी आर माई टू साइड किक्स गौरव सापरे एंड कार्तिका यूर साइड किक यू मीन लाइक बैटमैन रॉबिन फुटबॉल Every Wednesday on the IVM podcast app website or wherever you get your podcasts.